0: You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast and welcome to our new module, Parables of Jesus. In the first talk, Anne Wallace points out from the parable of the weeds, how God patiently lets the weeds grow alongside the wheat until the time of harvest. In the following talk, Denise Fairbrother clearly explains the difference between the wise and the foolish and the consequences of their choices. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk where you can study our past modules, see our future modules and see the other ministries we have to offer. You can also now follow us on social media at Arise UK. And now over to our students for today's teaching. to
1: Arise Ministry. Um, tonight is the start of students delivering parables and this is going to go on for the next four weeks I believe Um, and tonight I'm going to talk about the parable of the weeds Um, but before I do that I'd just like to to pray for a minute if that's okay Uh, Heavenly Father I just pray Lord Jesus that um, my words convey your words Lord um, and that um, they're understood because of my delivery, Lord. Give me, give me the um, insight, Lord, to um, just be myself and, and do my best for you, Lord. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, well, Jesus told many parables, as we, as we know, and he spoke in a way that made it easy to visualize and to remember. Each parable has its own message and Jesus set a pattern for the interpretation of this. How do I know that? I'll I'll come on to that in a moment. For every parable, there is a theme. In fact, there are seven themes, not all in every parable, But in all the parables, you will find the seven themes. And I'm just going to quickly go through the seven so that throughout the course, everybody can relate to these themes. The the first one is about God's mercy and grace Um, how forgiving He is, how tolerant He is, and how He is a Father to all of us. The second one is the severity of. Of God. These are parables often illustrating the wrath of God. Uh, We don't always think of that, we tend to think just of our loving Lord, but there is a wrath and it's in the Bible and it does talk about God's wrath. So there are two sides to, to God's nature his grace and his wrath. So God loves a righteous love and his anger is also a righteous anger. Yet there is no more evil in God's wrath than there is in God's love. The next one is the importance of obedience to God. Indeed, this is essential for all of us because God requires repentance from disobedience if we are to be saved by his grace. Some of these are quite heavy ones. And number four is God's looks at the heart. Several parables show that God is not interested in our outward works. What he's interested in is our inside, our our spirit that is inside of us. So he's looking at humility, mercy, compassion, and things of this nature. Number 5 the great value of the kingdom parables are often pointing out membership they show that the kingdom of god holds first place in our lives matthew 6:33 says this but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you number 6 A spiritual kingdom for all mankind. Some parables are about the spiritual and universal nature of God's kingdom. John 18.36 tells us, The kingdom of God is not an earthly nation, but a heavenly kingdom for people of all nations. And finally, the seventh one. A kingdom in which the weak are strong. This is yet another lesson in the parables about the kingdom. The most important person, God's kingdom, is us. So the parable of the wheat and the tares, as some people call it, but I'm going to use the NIV version, which is the parable of the weeds. So... Every time you hear the word weeds, for those that like tears, you can put that into your mind. Okay. So if you would like to, you can turn to the Bible, Matthew 13. We're going to look at verses 24 to 30, and I'm going to read them out. Um, And I just wanted to add, I should imagine this parable is not particularly popular as it's somewhat got a harrowing tone in terms of what it all means when you put it all together. So, Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed wheat amongst the wheats. Sowed weeds amongst the wheats. When the weeds sprouted and found its ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, don't you sow good seeds in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, replied the farmer. The servant asked again, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he said, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat as well. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the whole wheat and bring it into my barn. So, the end message there is quite heavy. (laughs) <laughs> um, this parable is actually different I believe from, from other parables because it's, it's quite long it's split into two parts um, um, the difference being that Jesus actually gives the interpretation of this parable to the disciples so there's no doubt about what the interpretation is um, so we don't need to believe or think or we know we just know that this interpretation is correct so let's look at the explanation Uh, the explanation that jesus gave and that's in my book over the page it comes after the mustard seed and then you'll find matthew 13 verses 36 to 43 and again i'll read it out for the benefit of those that haven't got bibles Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The man who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of evil, and the enemy sows them who is the devil. The harvest at the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burnt in the fire, so it would be at the end of time. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out all that's sin and all that is evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who hears, let him hear. Yeah, again, a heavy, a heavy bit, the gnashing of teeth. So moving on with that. (laughs) You may think, because I've given you the interpretation, that should be the end of my presentation, which would be a very, very short presentation. But um, there is actually a lot more to unpack and probably a lot more than what I've actually put in this presentation. (laughs) So I'm just going to go through some of it because um, I know that you understand the interpretation, but not, not everybody might understand it. So this is how I see what Jesus is saying in the second part under his interpretation. He talks about the sower, the son of man. Why do you think Jesus called, him the son of, called himself the son of man? Why did he not call himself the son of God? And the reason he did this is because he was letting us know he was born and he was born to do good works plant good seeds and we're we're doing or we should be doing the same as what is what jesus is doing so that's our mission in life to to plant seeds to sow seeds it does say the field is the world which doesn't need any explanation Um, but it's not as we may have thought because people think It's the kingdom of God, and I'm going to unpack that a bit further on. The good seed are the people, believers, people who believe and honour God. This is different to the parable of the sower because the seed in the parable of the sower actually is the word of God. So there's two, two different things there. The weeds. It's uncertain what plant was actually used in the time that Jesus was talking about this. Um, Many have called it a darnel. And I'm not going to argue with that because I've read countless entries about this. So we say it's a darnel. So the darnel represents the sons of evil. Now, the interesting bit about this is After Satan planted his seeds, it was difficult to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds, at first, when they were growing, they hadn't fulfilled their existence, if you like. So, how do we know, how do we then know in our life, true and false prophets, true and false teachers? Well... Many will say to me, through Matthew seven twenty two twenty three, 23, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? And Jesus replied very directly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. told you it was going to be hard. From a spiritual point of view, we're divided into two groups. So there's the son of God and the son of evil. There is no third group. It's worth noting that the weeds, though they work and tangle themselves around the wheat, it doesn't prevent the wheat from growing it doesn't prevent the wheat from achieving what it's set out to do. So, both plants will get watered in the field and each will thrive, but in their own way. Adam and Eve, why am I mentioning Adam and Eve? They sinned, they sinned, and the very ground that they walked on became a curse. Now, the Israelites, I believe would have associated weeds with something cursed or evil. And I think that's why Jesus used this example in his delivery to all that was listening, because they would understand what the weeds were. The sower of bad seeds. Well, It doesn't take much to work out who that is. It's Satan. And if we look back to Matthew 13, verses 25, this is what it says. You don't need to look this up. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat. He appeared unseen, making it look like nothing happened. Very subtle. Have any of you watched the TV series, The Traitors? Well, it's a series where strangers are brought together and they work together as a team to get money. So there's various tasks that they have to do. And if they complete the task, they get money and they keep getting money and money and money until there's a huge prize at the end of the series. Sounds simplistic, but it's not, because you have what's called the faithfuls and you've got the traitors. And out of all these people, the presenter says to two or three of all of these candidates, you're gonna act the part of a traitor. Now, what this means is these two or three people have to work with the faithfuls because they know all the faithfuls because they're the traitors so they have to work with all the faithfuls and they've got to do the task because they want to win the money as well so that's the good and the bad you know they 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 come together (laughs) the interesting part about this is um well for me anyway is that the traitors actually metaphorically speaking get the opportunity to kill a faithful off. They choose who who they're going to kill. But also, the faithfuls can collectively agree who they're going to banish because they believe that person to be the traitor. So there's a judgment there that these faithfuls are making on who the traitor is. They think they're false, they think they're liars, So you can see how the the thread of this programme links with with some of this. So I've said they they behave um, in a deceptive way. Well, after they've killed so many people or after so many faithfuls have been banished, it comes to the end and the money is given to whoever survives. So... They work through that as faithfuls and, and traitors for a prize. We work with the weeds and our prize, salvation and eternity with God. Um, so I like that program, but, you know, that's for everybody's taste to work out. <laughs> uh, in the Old Testament, Daniel... Daniel 12, verses 1 to 2, I'm going to read that out in a second, so you don't need to turn to it. He speaks of when the living and the dead will be judged. So Daniel 1 to 2 reads, At that time, so this is the end of the world, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise there will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then but at that time your people everyone whose name is found written in the book of life will be delivered multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth <coughs> sorry multitudes who sleep in the <coughs> sorry dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So that's quite clear what's going to happen, I believe. So what does that say? You might be saying to me, well, what do we do then, Anne? How, how, do, we, how do we do this? And I would take you to the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and the Holy Spirit guides us each and every day. And through discernment, we can learn or we can discern what's bad, what's bad in the world, a situation, could even be a person, and that's judgment. But what we do have from the Holy Spirit is the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit live within us. And you will find the fruits of the Spirit all listed. I'm just going to quickly read them out for anybody that doesn't know them. It's found in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So if we've got all that in us, We're doing all right, aren't we? So if we we do live in the fruits of the Spirit, we shouldn't fall into Satan's trap. But equally, we know from what we've just been reading how subtle Satan can be. We also have something that helps us to fight the wickedness in this world, and that's the armour of God. And for those that don't know where the armor of God is, it's in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. And it says in these verses, it lists all the different things, but it tells us to put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the enemy. Our struggle is against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In Matthew... In Matthew 4, verses 17, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I believe that the spiritual realm which exists on earth, side by side with the realm of evil, i.e. the wheat and the weeds. Now, we all know newspapers are very good at putting stories and they tend to print more bad stories than in good stories because bad stories gets them more money for sell more papers perhaps but what I'm about to say is that each and every one of us can do good each and every one of us can do good and I'm going to give you an example of somebody who did just that his name is John Kirkby you may or may not have heard of him John Kirkby, he was the founder of Christians Against Poverty. He alone set up this and Christians Against Poverty is um, it helps people in debt, it helps them get out of debt and gives them freedom from that debt. And Christians Against Poverty don't charge the individual. It's a free gift because that's what we do. The other thing which arguably is more important than the debt, is the Christians Against Poverty seek to bring these people into the kingdom. So if he can start off like that, that is amazing because now it's an international organization. It's in awful lot of countries around the world. So it's back to that little Um, Mother Teresa with, you know, one stone in the water and, you know, the rest of it. When the kingdom of heaven comes to fruition, heaven would be the reality and there would be no more weeds. I'm going to say that again. When the kingdom of heaven comes to fruition, heaven would be the reality and there would be no more weeds. So I'm going to close by quoting Daniel again, but this time it's chapter two and it's verses 44. And I'm just going to read this out. God of heaven set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Jesus will establish true righteousness and true followers of Christ will reign with him. What a glorious hope for the wheat. Thank you.
2: Well, welcome back everybody after our break and uh, thank you to Anne for starting us off on our parables series. And I'm Denise, I'm one of the students here for those that um, may be watching online. And the next parable we're going to be looking at is known as the wise and foolish builders. But before I begin, let's have a word of prayer. It's always good to pray, isn't it? So we thank you, our Heavenly Father, for every word you have said and every word you continue to speak. Thank you that your word teaches us, it equips us, Lord, and it helps us. And help us, Father, to pay attention to what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a child, I thought like a child. At my primary school, which was St. John's in Fulham, we would sing a song about a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And we'd do the actions, we'd be quite solid about the the house being built on the rock. And the second line was the house being built on the sand and we'd make a swishy action like this to say that happened really quick. Um, And we'd sing this song two or three times a week. I was a child, I thought we were singing a song about a couple of blokes that were looking for somewhere to build houses. And I, I thought that for a very long time because no one ever explained it to me. And we never sang the third verse. I didn't even know there was a third verse until I was thinking about this parable. The third verse says, build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ, build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessings will tumble down. It was written in 1948 by a lady called Anne Omley, and it was written, um, inspired by this parable. Of course, it's a parable, not about two blokes building houses at all. It's a parable that illustrates the importance of building our lives in obedience to the teachings and example of Jesus. So I'm just going to read it, it's in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. So Jesus says, everyone therefore who hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock The rain came down, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. And then he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. He's talking about two types of people. The wise, who hear what he says, they listen and they do what he says, and the foolish, who hear what he says but don't really hear it. They don't really take it in and they don't do it. When you think of it like that, it seems quite straightforward. But not everybody understood. Sometimes Jesus' disciples didn't understand a word he was talking about. Parables are simple stories, yet they reveal divine truth. They make us think about the kingdom of God and challenge us to think about what we believe. Jesus often said, those that have ears, let them hear, but not everybody had ears to hear. The rains and the floods in this parable are the challenges, the storms, the troubles of this life. Sometimes, even if we are wise, we experience these things, don't we? But Jesus says, I'm telling you these things, I'm teaching you so that in me, you will have peace. In this life, he says in John 1 and John 16, 1, you will have many troubles, but fear not for I have overcome the world. And I was thinking about this parable, I got a little picture in my head and it was balance scales. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, where would I come out? You know, am I wise? Am I foolish? You know, what's my tendency? Where am I in this story? Am I more like the foolish builder? I hope sometimes I'm a bit like the wise builder. Well, we've all done and said things, haven't we, that we've regretted afterwards. There's a saying, isn't there, about being older and wiser, being wise after an event. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, if only we knew beforehand. But you know, God knows everything and he sees everything. He knows we can tend to be impatient, we can go off track, We want everything done immediately, and we like to rely on our own strength. He knows we need help. And the Bible is full of wisdom, It's full of advice. J. John once said something that I really like. He said, the Bible stands for basic information before leaving earth. I like that acronym. Timothy, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and helps us to be equipped for every good work. God wants us to succeed. So how do we become like the wise builder? How do we become more wise? Well, the fear of the law, we're told, is the beginning of wisdom. It means to honour God in all that we do and all that we say. You may remember the story of Solomon, King David's son, when he asked God for wisdom. That suggests, doesn't it, that wisdom is a gift and we can ask God for it. James says that if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. But like all gifts, they don't do as much good unless we use them. Galatians 5, I've already heard this evening about the gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And uh, there's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think wisdom has to work with all of those things, doesn't it? Especially self-control. In Proverbs 8, we hear that wisdom calls out. I'm not going to read the whole proverb, but it is worth a read. It's wisdom stating their case. Choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Wisdom says counsel and sound judgment are mine and those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. These are strong words, aren't they? But one thing can easily lead to another. Wisdom tells us to put proper boundaries in place for our lives, to know our weaknesses and to stay close to God. Proverbs 4, 6 and 7. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. So we are urged to pursue wisdom We are urged to pursue the wisdom of God in everything. So how can we be wise builders? Well, before you build anything, you have to have a firm foundation. We can't really start to build unless we have that in place. Jesus models to us how to have a firm foundation. He teaches us how to be like him. And time with him is never wasted. Proverbs 14.1 The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. The wise woman is a woman that honours God. She uses her influence and her position to bring good. She has common sense. She keeps her conversation and behaviour in check. I was reminded also of the woman in Proverbs 31, a woman with strength and dignity. And what about foolishness? Does that call out? Does that state its case? Well, it does, doesn't it? It calls out to us all the time, tempting us away from the truth. It's subtle and crafty. We easily become hoodwinked. We get sidetracked. Psalm 14.1. the fool said in their heart, there is no God. This type of foolishness is about the state of somebody's heart. This heart will entertain sin, but it won't consider the Lord. There's a lot of descriptions of foolishness in the Bible. The fools are corrupt and vile with evil actions. They won't listen to wise counsel. They chatter on and on, loving the sound of their own voice. I like the message version. It says, do them a favor and gag them. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit naughty, isn't it? But it says, stop them. Stop them from talking nonsense. You're doing them a favor. Proverbs 15 in the message version says, it's like listening to a leaky tap. Drip, drip, drip. I'm full of nonsense. Sometimes we're put in positions, aren't we, when we don't know what to say? But wisdom tells us to be quiet. Prudent, it says, are the wise. James says, even fools, I think, of thought um, wise if they keep quiet. Psalm 141 this is something I've prayed over and over many years ago when I worked in an office. Put a guard on my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch at the door of my lips and let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. Gossip was rife in that office. I knew it would be a struggle for me not to join in. And I used to have to say that every day. Every day. Sometimes it worked and sometimes I was foolish and joined in. And we only today have to switch on the TV or read the papers to read about Somebody who's been a bit foolish. Foolish decisions bringing companies down. Bad investments bringing bankruptcy. I love Joyce Meyer, she says if your outgo is more than your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. (laughs) Don't spend what's not yours to spend. Foolish leaders make catastrophic mistakes, don't they? They go off course, they start wars. They cause economies to collapse. Foolishness has a huge cost. And what does it cost us when we're foolish? Definitely our sleep, our peace of mind, our reputation, our money, our health, our relationships. It can destroy our home. And ultimately, it robs us of our life eternal life with God foolishness is a thief and it can overtake anybody at any time that's why Jesus tells us to guard our hearts be careful how we live this is a serious business it's easy to get caught and hard to get away and practically what can we do to help ourselves it's always good to think about how does this apply what can we do Well, one of the things we can do is get to know the character of God. Spend time reading the Bible. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father. We need to chat to Jesus, keep an open conversation. We need to ask for help when we need it. We need to pray, listen, wait. We need to invest in our relationship with the Lord, make him a priority. I've got a little routine, I don't always do it, but it's called Tea at Three with JC. I like, I like to give little names to things that I do, and that means when I'm at home at three o'clock, I'll have a cup of tea and sit in the presence of Jesus. I might not be there for long. Uh, sometimes nothing happens, but quite a lot. It's a chance for me to just have a little check-in with him on my day. We need to be around wise people. If you've got a problem, you need to seek wise counsel. Don't tell everybody your business, just people that you trust. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend in Proverbs 27, six, because a true friend will tell you the truth. Do you have someone like that in your life? And sometimes we have to decide beforehand what we're going to do and what we're going to be like. If something's getting a bit uncomfortable, we can move away, can't we? Create space, distance ourselves. The Bible tells us not to throw our lot in with fools or we might become like them. Even David, the beloved of God, the man after God's own heart, was very foolish and sinful at times. His saving grace though was that he loved the Lord And he always sought him. He wrote, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Solomon, his son, wrote so much about wisdom, yet he forgot the source of his blessing. He loved many foreign women and that led him to worship false gods. He was not true to the Lord as his father had been. We always need to be reminded and remember what Jesus has done for us and be thankful to God. And there's so many stories in the Bible where wisdom and foolishness play out. But I just want to look at the prodigal son as an example. The foolish young man wanting freedom. He wants adventure. He asked for his inheritance. You know, that was quite bolshy then. That was like wishing your father dead. Give me my inheritance. I want to get away from here. And his father must have been heartbroken, but he had the wisdom to let him go. The son went off, leaving the safety and protection and provision of his father and squandered everything. But then in the pig pen, he becomes wise. He comes to his senses and it's funny, but a dose of reality sharpens our minds, doesn't it? It makes things clearer. And there is a danger, isn't there, in bailing people out. They don't have to change if there's no need to take responsibility. We need to be wise in situations like that. His father was restrained. He looked out for him, but he didn't go out for him. He didn't send servants for him. I'm sure he was worried, I'm sure he prayed and waited, but he held it together, he was wise. When the son comes home, we know what happens. The father cannot contain his joy and runs towards him. The son begs forgiveness, that's a wise move, and the father forgives him. The son is now sorry for what he's done repenting from his foolish, selfish sin. And his father forgives him with no conditions. There's no, you did this, you have to pay for that. It's unconditional love and that's how our father loves us. And it just reminded me of the forgiveness, grace and mercy that God shows towards us when we're not so wise. He doesn't force us to be wise, we have free will but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We get nudged, don't we? We have a conscience for a reason. When we mess up, we know we can turn to our Heavenly Father. The rock in the parable is, of course, Jesus. And I was just reminded of those hymns. You know, there's quite a few hymns that talk about this. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak, which is us, are made strong in the Saviour's love. Through the storms, he is the Lord of all. Oh, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Being a wise builder is choosing Jesus. He is the one who sustains us and gives us peace in the storms of life and the fullness of life in the life that's to come. We get to partner with him to be kingdom builders. It's amazing, isn't it, that we can be kingdom-builders with Lord Jesus. We're in for a life of adventure with him, because Jesus is never boring. And when we do choose him, we can be sure that we are building on a firm foundation, the solid ground that's spoken about in this parable. And therefore, we know that we are safe and secure. We are like the man that built his house on the rock. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk if you would like to partner with us by making a secure online donation. You can also now follow us on social media at Arise Ministry UK. Arise Ministry, a living legacy.